Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A couple of armchair GMs who have yet to be wrong with any of their Timberwolves takes. <laughs> right. It's Flagrant Howls with Phil Mackey and Kyle Tyke. Oh, thank you, everyone. Yes, thank you. Oh, wow. No, sit down, everyone. Sit down. <laughs> This is your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast where we just want the Timberwolves to win 50 games for the first time in almost 20 years. Uh, Thinking about changing it to 60 after watching yet another great Timberwolves preseason game, Kyle, in which the Lakers thought, you know what, let's run our A lineup out there against the Timberwolves B-minus lineup without the target centers. Let's get get a feel-good preseason game out here and make these, uh, these guys look like clowns. And ultimately... It was the Timberwolves that got the best of the Lakers last night. Uh, we haven't seen Gobert and Cat together on the floor yet, so that's a thing we can talk about. But um, there's another Luca in the NBA to take <laughs> note of, I think, as of last night. So let's start with Lakers, Wolves observations, Wolves preseason. We can get to a million other things, too, on the show today. There were three big guys that played a lot of minutes in that Wolves-Timberwolves game, Luca Garza, Nas Reed, and Anthony Davis. And Anthony Davis was the worst of those three players. Couldn't shoot. How about it? Couldn't really defend. Um, Luca Garza, I mean, listen, uh, a preseason game West Coast for a lot of the listeners, that's a late, late thing. I was having a glass of wine or six last night, and the fourth quarter was all Luca Garza and Floyd Money Mayweather. Luca Garza (laughs) was hitting these step-back threes and then turning and talking just – crazy amount of smack to Floyd Mayweather and then after the game the Wolves posted this on IG like they were dapping it up like I don't know if he cost Floyd a bunch of money but I mean think about waking up and seeing headlines like Luca Garza (laughs) defeats Floyd Mayweather's Los Angeles Lakers like I thought I was high so yeah if if Floyd has another fight you know Floyd likes to bring celebrities (laughs) in his entourage like like Triple H Was I, I want to see Luca Garza holding the title up above Floyd Mayweather's head the next time he puts together some sort of stunt exhibition match. He, and, he, and, you know, all jokes aside, like, he looks good. I, I caught myself last night thinking, like, okay, who, you know, once they get the target centers back, there's not going to be a ton of minutes in that kind of front court. And how was Nas Reed, who, by the way, was he was the man of the match last night. Like, Nas Reed just went at guys. He was awesome. I think he had, like, 20 and 10 at half. Um, but they just they have a lot of guys that can do stuff. Um, and, I mean, Luca Garza is probably going to spend a lot of time in Iowa, but they just continue to churn out this development process with these big guys, which, again, I don't – we'll get into this at some point today or through the season. I don't think Carl and Rudy are going to play 82 games, but if you can just go to Nas or go to Luca, like the, the new Luca, um, that's pretty – 
pretty special for Finch, and Finch really loves loves Garza. So I think it's going to be something to monitor. Yeah, I think man, there's like legitimate crunching at the end of this roster too, right? There's going to be guys that either are in Iowa or yep. don't get any minutes that you look and say, man, I wish that guy would get some. Could you find eight minutes for that guy? Right. But they yeah. ha- they have a deep team, man. Like, and we've said you and I have been on this island. Like, they're the deepest team they've ever had. I, I, we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but, like, I get a little nervous about being too deep because you can have that situation where you have too many guys, and that'll play into, like, do they do some of these guys a favor? They have a very player-focused front office now that loves to, like, do right by players, and that might come into a situation where maybe you trade a guy just to let him, you know, go spread his wings somewhere else because you have so much depth. I think we're going to snapshot this for later for aggregation if the Wolves get off to a slow start or underachieve that Kyle said the Wolves have too much talent. They are too <laughs> deep. It might have a negative impact at some point on the organization. I, mean, I, was, I think I tweeted all last night, like, trade everyone and just build around Luca Garza. Like, yeah. that, get all your picks back and just let that guy run the show. He's like a weird like Midwestern Iowa version of Kevin Love. And he's big. Like He's a big guy, and he, I didn't know he could shoot like that. And he I didn't just, either letting it rain so and again not to as fun as Luca was like Nas Reed like again you said the Lakers played their real guys not their accountants like they did in Vegas and Nas Reed just went at those guys I always joke Nas was undrafted from LSU came into the league and couldn't jump over the free throw line like that not from it but over it he just had no athleticism he was kind of a chubby kid he is so competitive he he is the guy that during those lean years like hated losing the most and he's put so much work in like I don't know if he can play power forward, but I think Finch is going to have him try and see if he can play next to Rudy, play next to Carl. Um, the Nas Reed story is like one of the coolest stories I've yeah. remembered. And it's also, and this, and Nas Reed was sort of old regime, but you yep. know, Tim yeah. Connolly has been known for finding gems, Nas Reed type players, second round or undrafted. And this might dovetail into I saw two more instances in the last like 48 hours of Rudy Gobert trade hand wringing <laughs> across the internet. Just we're right back to July where all the national talking heads and right, John Hollinger had a piece on The Athletic, and then some guy with a big YouTube audience was tweeting out things last <laughs> night. You and I both retweeted him like, this might be one of the worst trades. Even if the Wolves win 50, it might be one of the worst trades in NBA history. What are you going to do without first round? It's like, Okay, um, can we stop pretending like they're, the Wolves have zero opportunity to reacquire first-round picks? So c- tell me if I'm crazy here, but let's say, let's say they decide in a year from now, oh, man, you know what, this whole target centers thing, uh, yeah, maybe, maybe we were a little overzealous, which I don't think is going to happen, but we got to find a way to recoup some value down the road so that Anthony Edwards doesn't have barren coverage when he emerges into his prime. Right now in the next year, you could trade Carl Anthony Towns for multiple first-round picks. You could still trade Rudy Gobert, not for the same haul you gave up to get him, but for a first-round pick or two or multiple. I think a team would trade a first-round pick for Jaden McDaniels right now, let alone the version of him that would be available like in a year if you didn't want to sign into a contract. I think a team in a year from now would trade a first-round pick for Jalen Noel. Like I'm so sick of the Rudy Gobert trade slander because... <gasps> Oh my gosh, what are they going to do in 2020? It's like, they'll figure it out, I guess, in five years. People are just saying, well, now you're screwed. This is the move. This is the only move you can make for 10 years now. You've dug your grave if this doesn't work. My wife 
prefer is when I just don't get into it online with people because then I it <laughs> leaks out into the living room and the kitchen. And I'm just crabby. Um, so my I'm wife doesn't. Not... She just say don't, don't tweet, yep, don't yep, tweet. Yep. I know. If there was a way for my wife to <laughs> review my tweets before, um, so I try not to engage. But yeah, there was just this bumsicle online that I think the tweet was the Wolves could win 50 games and it could still be the worst trade of all time. It's literally just like that's not a, a functional thing that's real, um, because. Again, they've won 50 games, what, four times in 33 seasons? Yeah. As you had Doogie on, I know, earlier today, like, the bar is just above the floor. Like, it's not even—there's no space. The bar to this team to have success is so low. Um, and like you said, you can then make the—like, would you—let me put this another way. Would you have traded your 2023 unprotected first-round pick, so you don't get a draft pick next year, to get Rudy Gobert this season and try to win 50 games? And if that's a yes— and you win 50 games, that pick is already going to be 24, 25. Mm -hmm. So if you're just doing that on a one-year basis after this year, and you're like, you know what, we won 50 games, but, uh, you know, Rudy just didn't vibe with the guys, then you just pivot and you go get 80 cents on the dollar, but you've already had a 50-win season. Like, you've already— Yes. It's, this isn't a—I don't really actually agree with, like, Hollinger said it, too. Like, they don't have picks for the next decade. That's not— they do have You're picks. You're a reporter. Like, that's not true. <laughs> they just don't have a pick next year. But then 2024, they can go get a guy. They can go draft LeBron's son. Like, they can do stuff. So, yes, and I got into – I was on Cooper Carlson's thing yesterday, and I, I got into a screaming thing because I was freaking out. But, like, Hollinger's Were you yelling was, at Cooper? No, no. He just got me riled up in a good way. I was just <laughs> – he, he – Hollinger was like, you know, they, they, they might have all this talent, and they, they're going to win 50 games, but they don't have any picks to – go out and trade for an all-star. And it's like, yeah, because they just did it. They just used all those picks. Right. Like, why do they need more picks to go get an all-star? They just did that. Where, so, is, like, like, where is the market of people that are like, oh, but how are they going to acquire another all-star? It's like, well, no. My, they <laughs> my analogy was so piss poor, but it was just kind of like, they finally, after saving up, went and got a house. And now they have a mortgage. But how and are you going to go buy a house now? And the critics are like, well, how are you, you going to get another house? It's like, why do we need another house? <laughs> I have a house. I have but a mortgage. What happens if you don't like that house? That you, then you sell then, it. Yeah, it's not like we don't need to be galaxy brain because we've worked <laughs> in the front office for six months and we didn't do very well, like Hollinger. Like oh, this yes. is good. Yes. This is going to be okay Stay if up. they don't. If this doesn't work, you then <laughs> trade the player. It's the Family Guy mystery box or the boat. They have boats. Then you trade the boat. Yes, when you buy a boat, it's now worth ninety percent. But like, go trade the boat next year. The French boat to a team that wants a French boat, and you'll get 80% of your value back. Like, it's not that hard because also there is an iteration of all of this with how good the West is and how good the East is and how competitive everything is, where the Wolves just roll it over again and finish like 11th. Like, they, they, everyone, even inside that team, knows they kind of overachieved last year. They were gritty, they were tough, but that just doesn't, after a while, like, it's figured out. Like, the NBA, more than anything, more than the NFL, more than baseball, like the NBA is about talent. You just mm -hmm. win off talent. Daryl Morey has made that his life's vision to just, I'm going to go get the all-star, and then I'll do some weird shit behind the scenes to fill in the roster. That's what Tim Connolly is doing. He's got all the boats, and if he needs to go pivot to get, you know, a condo, he'll go get a condo. But anyway, sorry, that was a Also, but here, here's the other thing, too. It's like, okay, you're Tim Connolly. And you are widely regarded as one of the the brighter, mm -hmm. let's mm -hmm. say, one of the five or six like top coveted front office executives. You've built some great things in Denver, and and it it, it cost the Wolves double your salary to pull you from that job. He is a highly mm -hmm. coveted, well received. Is he is he Godfather Pat Riley? No, but like, has he won a championship? No, but he is highly respected. 
he presumably knows what he's doing mm-hmm. to start with. Then he takes this job, and he comes in, and he has a half a decade, really, to play with here. He's got Anthony Edwards is still like four or five years away from whatever peak version he will be. You have an ironclad contract. You know, you are, you don't, you did, he didn't have to come in here and really do anything this offseason because you could have just kind of ran it back. Like you said, maybe, maybe you're battling for a, a playing spot again. And, uh, and then you just let these contracts delo. You let, you just let money come off the books and you're wide open for next summer. He could have done that. He had no pressure on him to make a huge splash move. And so a smart new president of basketball operations comes in here and says, not only is this not too much to give up, but this is a stupid move if we don't do it, basically. Like, we we should do this. So I guess from that perspective, I tend to trust his judgment, knowing that he wasn't forced into me. He made the move willfully. He's a smart, well-coveted guy who runs, you know, a basketball front office. I'm, to this point, unless he proves otherwise, I am trusting his judgment on this over random guy on Twitter or all due respect, John Hollinger, I guess, on the yeah, athletics. And, and, and I, I have always had a bone to pick with Hollinger, but he is he is a smart in like he was everywhere in Vegas where I was in Vegas, but he also has always kind of had this reason to just dump on the Wolves. And the funny part about all this again, and this is my biggest gripe about the NBA versus how like the NFL is covered, the Wolves were just shit on about this trade, and it happened again on this this random YouTuber. If they just ran it back, and they struggled, and they went. 35 and 40, whatever that number is, equal A2. Mm-hmm. Um, come February, there would be a bunch of stories about, you know, they haven't really been able to build a, a winner around Ant, and he's up for a contract extension this summer. Like, is he going to want out? So, yes. again, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, if you're Minnesota. And I've embraced that now, but that's why every now and then, I, I was going to look this up before this. I didn't have time, but I think you were the first person to put it out there. So I need to credit you, but it's elaborate. The Minnesota Timberwolves fan base is Eminem from Eight Mile. Mm-hmm. That is like, like I think that was your take. Like, they are at the end, they just say all the bad stuff about themselves before anyone else online can say it because we've been through the mud. Like, we've, there's nothing you can say about us that we don't already know. So we're the f- scariest franchise fan base in the league because there's nothing left to say. We know we missed on Curry. We know we gave Joe Smith money under the table. We know David Kahn. We know Kurt Rambis. Like, there's nothing else you can say. So to come out and be like, you guys could win 50 games and still be a joke. It's like, nope, that's not true. And we, I think that guy had a nice hundred quote tweets, so I'm sure he loved the engagement. But uh, that's you can't say things that aren't true anymore. I'm, yeah. I'm coming this summer. This I think <laughs> I love it, dude. I love I love fired up Kyle right now. Yeah, no, I know. Going after random up. strangers <laughs> on the internet. Going after random YouTubers. <laughs> By the way, subscribe to Flagrant Howls on YouTube. Yes, please click the sub- sub- subscribe <laughs> button so we can get as many uh, subscribers on the Score North uh, YouTube channel him. as that guy has. Yes. Um, let's also get to this here and we'll get to write that down predictions, which is a staple on Mackie and Judd and on purple daily. Okay. And we're going to do, I don't think we're going to do it weekly on flagrant house, but we definitely need a preseason edition of write that down predictions. So we can go on the record with some stuff here, but, uh, the Pat Bev podcast debuted, Ooh, yeah, I believe yeah. that's, is that barstool? I think so. Yeah. It's with, uh, with Roan. Um, so Pat got, I think a good amount of money to, do a basketball-related podcast over on that website. Um, yeah, and the first is. episode dropped. And um, say what you want about Pat Bev, but that's that's the guy that you would want to start a podcast with because he's already said everything he's thought. And I think uh, – well, what was the thing he said yesterday? 
Well, I'm going to read these Finch quotes. Is that what you're okay. referring yep. to? Yeah, here? yeah, that's what yeah. I'm talking about. So he, I'm getting these from our from our guy Joe Nelson at Bring Me the News, who transcribed this. I haven't actually listened to the podcast yet, but uh, he admitted Pat Bev that he was angered that Timberwolves head coach Chris Finch wasn't the first person to call and tell him he'd been traded to the Jazz in a blockbuster deal. Quote. When I get the call for the trade, I feel like that call should have come from the coach. That's where my anger came from. Not eight hours later or seven hours later when the dust is starting to clear. Uh, Easily motivated, Beverly has found more fuel and plans to use it to smoke the Timberwolves if he gets to play them in the playoffs. He said, quote, I respect that more. Just be real, especially when we have that type of relationship. That was my only issue, not getting the call from Finch right away. But that's all I need now to play them in the playoffs and smoke their ass. That's all I needed just that little bit. What are your thoughts on Papev getting a little bulletin board material here from Chris Finch? So I had heard that on the other side. Uh, when we, you know, we were in Vegas, like, talking to Finch pregame and stuff. Like, we – because they're playing the Lakers, obviously, last last Wednesday, even though Papev didn't play – or last Thursday. But, uh, but they asked about Pat's influence on the team, and Finch was very complimentary, and he said, like – you know, that dude should be borderline jersey retired because he came in with a bunch of young guys and he told those young guys, like, you can like you can make the playoffs. And they believed in him. So he had nothing but good things to say. But he also said that, like, yeah, I don't think I've talked to Pat since the trade. So I think Pat was mad. I think Pat is also, we know this, like, looking for reasons to be pissed off and be motivated. That's how he's made his millions. And it's kind of how I live my life, too, just constantly being petty about people who accidentally cut you off in traffic so i do the same thing actually see and and it's like they might even have the worst day ever but it's like oh they went after me so now i'm pissed off so i get it i like (laughs) it Um, road rage them into the ditch and i i wonder too pat is like really smart and i wonder if he like he's already needing to start to kind of inflate the petty meter and just get pissed off because as again, we saw last night, like there was this viral scene where he was trying to huddle up the guys after the, because the Wolves, by the way, just spanked them. But he's trying to huddle up the guys and like Westbrook wouldn't come in the huddle. And I think that whole, I mean, Pat has made the playoffs everywhere he's gone. And when he said it last year, we made fun of him and he did it. But this is the hardest case he's ever had. He Good luck trying to get that Lakers team into the playoffs because, you know, back to a basketball conversation, um, the talent difference between the Lakers bench and the Wolves bench, like that that gap is wider than like Anthony Davis's unibrow. Like that that team those two teams have different benches. One of them is a NBA bench and the other one is a G League bench. And it's gonna be tough for Pat to keep that streak going. So he's taking shots. That's what he does. He's gonna be great as a podcast. Maybe we can get him on here. But um I know he was not happy about how the trade went down. And I would expect that from him. I was just trying to think of, is there any way that you could trade him, you know, just when the trade happened? Is there any way that he's not going to be chapped? How would it right, have to, right. How would it have to have gone down for him to not be chapped? And there was really, he was going to find something, like whether it was 100%. Jimmy Butler, just like, you know, and he already kind of did the old, like, he did take the, because we did an episode two or three weeks ago, he took a little shot on Twitter at, like, inexperienced guys or guys who don't work hard yeah. or something. Um but I, I hope fans don't – because Minnesota sports fans, we do this thing sometimes where a player will come back, like A.J. Przinsky, like a surly player will come back, mm-hmm. and we will boo that player for mm-hmm. absolutely no reason whatsoever. A.J. Przinsky is the prime example. He was a really good Twins player for, I don't know, five years in the early 2000s, late 90s. 
He helped the Twins get to the playoffs for the first time in a decade. He was part of that resurgent team, 2001, 2, and 3. And then they traded him to the Giants for a boatload of players, including Francisco Liriano and Joe Nathan. Same thing for Bev. You're trading him not for a boatload of players, but you're trading him for Rudy Gobert. Yep. So he he helps your team. He 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 adds some some grit to your team and some leadership to your team, and then you leverage him for something better. He should be celebrated. Mm-hmm. I've always said AJ Przinsky should have been celebrated by Twins fans. I hope fans celebrate Pat Bev, even if he's been a little cantankerous here in some of his comments. When he steps foot inside Target Center, I would expect a standing ovation that makes him uncomfortable. That's yep. what I want to see. Yep, and I I think Pat again to my point that he's really smart. He has taken a subtle shot at Finch. Finch, you know, understands it and welcomes it. Like, I mean, Finch could have called him two minutes after the trade went down, and Pat would be like, he called me 120 seconds after. You know, like, Pat would be pissed about something. So, yeah. But it was, you know, a subtle shot at the coach and how that went down. And then a subtle shot at something that we don't have answered yet. Like, I don't know if after a year of the Pat Bev Academy of grittiness and toughness and leadership, like, Maybe Ant is grittier. Maybe Carl is a better leader. But prior to Pat being here, like, they didn't have that stuff. And now Pat's gone, and did they take some of those things? So we don't know. So I don't think anything Pat has said has been wrong. Um, but he also has been very adamant to not, like, take shots at the fan base or the city. You know what I mean? Like, he has been uh, – he quote-tweeted me one day. It was like, love gang. Like, he, he loves his thing here. He was very cognizant of all the people that wore I love Pat Bev shirts in the crowd during the playoffs. So mm-hmm. – um. Yeah, I do though. I really, I, I really. That's a great point. I think when he is back, he should be showered, and I think they will. Fans here, are really smart. I mean, Wolves fans get it. Like they'll give that guy his flowers because his number twenty-two should be retired in the rafters far better than Wiggins' number twenty-two because that guy did a lot more for this team in one year than Wiggs did in six or yeah. seven. We, we got to get KG's number up there first before before oh, anything, geez, which is a whole another. Don't get me started. Podcast maybe, maybe, and topic. Maybe January 2025, once Glenn is, uh, his parking spot has been removed and yeah. he gives the keys to A Rod. Yeah, he's going to want Glenn. The next thing is Glenn has to be moved outside of the. Once Glenn retires to like uh, Naples officially, then Kevin Garnett will step that uh, foot back in. Yeah, he's going to glue Glenn to the floor just like all the people did against Glenn <laughs> and then he'll step on Glenn to go raise his but yeah that's, that's what that's... those women were protesting they were protesting Kevin Gar- <laughs> Kevin Garnett's number not being raised in the rafters yet on, at Target Center should have been on the floor with him no so yeah Pat Bev give him his flowers I'm looking at right now I'm on VegasInsider.com looking at the latest NBA win totals here oh, okay okay and this is from this morning okay. actually this was posted like I don't know, like a half hour ago. So they've they've updated these off of whatever the latest information is. And right now, here are your Western Conference over-under totals. Phoenix, 52.5, tied with the Clippers. The Warriors at 51.5. And, and then the Nuggets at 49.5. So that's your top four teams. Crap. And then three Western Conference teams tied at 48.5, tied for fifth. The Grizzlies, the Mavericks, and the Timberwolves. And so the, they're they're all tied for you know fifth through seventh, mm-hmm. and then the Lakers are only they're the next spot at forty five and a half, just ahead of the Pelicans. So a couple questions off this, I guess. My first one is, do you really think there's only a three win gap between the Timberwolves and the Lakers at the end of the day? This feels like like Lakers inflation, like optimism, LeBron, you know, healthy this or that. And, you know, Timberwolves being the Timberwolves and the negativity surrounding the target centers. Can they mm-hmm. play together? Like a lot of a lot of perceptions maybe dragging Wolves down 
Lakers up. Another thing that people don't consider enough is I know he's been a cyborg for 20 years in the NBA, but at some point, LeBron James is almost 40. And if you if you go look at his basketball reference page, he's actually played less games like every year than like these last couple of years than you think. Like he's already starting to whether it be breaking down or just maintaining his body. Like mm-hmm. I think he in twenty one twenty two he played fifty six games, right? And now classic like they were kind of out of the picture and didn't want to be in the playing game. And there's COVID years in this too, but it's like fifty six games, forty five, sixty seven, fifty two. Like he's not going to give you seventy games. So just to answer your question. And what I saw last night, I know preseason is so meaningless. There are no Carl, there is no Rudy. But I kind of thought last night's game was like actually super meaningful because you saw again the same topic Phil and I have been on for since July. This team is so deep, and they don't even have to have I'm not a big baseball guy, but like they don't have to have their fastball or their slider. Like they can just That was a great baseball up. metaphor there, right there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they can just come at you with they did last night, or oh, we're just gonna give a Nas Reed Luca Garza front court and we're gonna throw knuckleballs right yeah exactly and we're just still gonna win i mean because that's the thing last night like pat bev was in that game in the fourth quarter for a reason like he was trying to go full jimmy butler and take these third stringers to beat the wolves Mm-mm. and i don't know if that was like darvin ham's attempt to kind of just put some juice into the, i mean lakers fans were all in the building so they didn't leave but the wolves took every punch that the main lakers team could throw at him and without their two probably two of the three best guys like they won the game i mean d'lo looked about as athletic and as engaged as I've ever seen him last night. Um, he was going at Pat. So, yeah, insane. There's no way that's a three-win gap. Like, I don't – if the Lakers is 45-and-a-half, that's almost a better under than the Wolves is an over, and I would bet my life on the over for the yeah. Wolves. Uh, what about your thoughts just generally on the Wolves being kind of in that mix between – they're basically mm-hmm. tied with three other teams for fifth, sixth, seventh going into the season in the West. I think it's – I think it's probably right. I mean, I I have massive. I kind of like the Clippers more than anyone. Um, obviously, I love the Wolves, but like if I had to pick a team to win out of the West, it'd be the Clippers. I just think they have like twenty six forward slash guards that they can just when they yeah. really want to play defense, they can play defense. And Ty Lue is one of the best coaches in the league, so that that seems right. The Warriors have so many young guys as well. They're gonna win a bunch of games, even if Draymond's trying to punch them all. And then the Suns will be the outlier, right? Like vibes matter and if the vibes of that team with their ownership thing and eight and like they could fall but yeah i think the wolves mavs and grizzlies are all tied together in october but i think the wolves have more bench players than maybe those other two teams combined and i Mm -hmm. think i I would again bet my life like i think the wolves have a much better chance to finish higher than the mavs because the mavs have one thing and if that thing goes away luca they have nothing else they don't have Brunson anymore. Um, the Wolves, we just saw it. No Carl, no Rudy. All right, whatever. We'll play these other guys, and we'll beat the Lakers. So no Ant, cool. Put Jalen in. No Jaden, TP, Kyle Anderson, all these guys. So yeah. depth is going to play a big part in hitting that over. I'm with you on the Clippers. I mean, the, you know, just the fact that the Clippers a couple years ago made that crazy run with you know their backups, yeah. basically. And then you just you just plop these all NBA players back in if they can stay healthy. That's a dangerous team. I think teams that are around or above the Wolves on the over unders that I would look at maybe falling or the Wolves passing the Suns. How often can you keep banging your head against the wall when you came that close two years ago mm-hmm. and then you get bounced? I think it was in the second round this last year. And Chris Paul continues to. I mean, at the end of these last two seasons, he has looked every bit his age and then some and there's been some injury things he had a hand at one point 
But uh, yeah, the Suns, and you're right, like just the vibes of the organization, some, some just feels a little bit off. I don't think they're going to miss the playoffs or anything, but I don't know that I would put them as the over-under win total favorite in the West right now. Um, the Mavericks are just being held up by Luka. Mm-hmm. So, and you already kind of mentioned that. Um, so basically, can the star power of that one incredible generational player trump maybe the depth of Timberwolves or depth of Nuggets or other teams? And I mean, the answer has been yes in a lot of cases the last couple of years with the Mavericks. Teams behind the Wolves in the over-under uh, preseason win totals that make me a little nervous. The Pelicans for sure, if healthy. Yep, that's the number one. Mm-hmm. Loaded, right? I mean, they're mm-hmm. 44 and a half right now, but if you think they're going to be healthy, it's a, it's a guaranteed over. And then I would say maybe the Blazers just it depends on what version of is Dame does Dame still have a couple years left of of Dame time or has he is he been such a high usage player for like 11 years that you're just it's going to be like Allen Iverson in his early 30s where he's just not after a couple injuries he's not the same guy. Maybe the Kings but I still think they're a couple years away and have some tweaking to do but they they can be kind of sneaky sometimes. Uh, being out here in the Pacific Northwest, um, I, a lot of Blazers talk to like, I think again, if you just go a, a simple thing, if you're trying to bet the over or the under, or just look into any of these futures is that just go Google a team name and depth chart. Like the, the Blazers, for example, like their backup center is Drew Eubanks, who like went to school with my wife at Oregon state, like good guy, solid basketball player, not as good as Luca Garza. So just think about that. Like that's their backup center. Luka Garza is the Timberwolves' ninth center. Like, these teams just don't have a lot of depth. And I don't like the Mavs, too. Like, look at their second unit. Like, it's just the Wolves have a second unit of guys that could all start for, like, OKC. So it's just that depth is going to play a big factor. And, you know, Dame hasn't always been the healthiest. And like you said, it's all tied into one guy in Luka, who is still, you know, the better player of anyone on the Wolves. But behind him, it's like those drafts. Okay, you take Luka one. Well, I'm going to take six Timberwolves, two through seven. So... Again, this all just comes back into I think the Wolves are going to win a lot of games and be a top four or five seed, and it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Well, maybe we should uh, take some of these projections and put them on the record here. Sounds maybe we should me. we should put them under the write that down umbrella. Write that down. Which is write it down. You like writing things down. Uh, a segment you can find if you if you're new to Score North. Maybe Flagrant Howls was your window into <laughs> Score North here. So on Mackie and Judd for about seven years, every single week, we are the only show in America to put statistics next to our <laughs> predictions so you can see just how wrong we are on a regular basis. We also do a football version on Purple Daily. Uh, I don't believe this is going to be weekly for us yet, but let's start with just going on the record. Let's make at least three Timberwolves or NBA-related predictions each that we can track and uh, not sweep under the rug Later in the season, I'll give you the floor first this is, here. This is a you big lead off, me, man. As a big score North guy, um, I kind of have a three little bears like cold, medium, and hot takeish. Um, we and we've kind of already talked about some of this, but my first one, my first write it down as part of the team. We've said it before: the Wolves will win fifty games. Okay. Um, they've. I'm looking at my notes here. They haven't done it since 2003, 2004. That's always the year we reference. Four times in 33 seasons, uh, they haven't gone back to back playoff years since 0304. Um, this is the most talented team. This is the deepest team. They might have the best coach the team's ever had. Um, and I just, I think between watching that, that French 18 year old in Vegas and seeing how many teams are going to just literally kidnap their star players come February, those are going to be free wins in March and April. 
and just how much talent this team has and the beginning schedule, they're just going to win. They're they're going to. Like I've never been I'm so confident that I'm starting to have anxiety attacks. Like they're <laughs> going to win fifty games. Um I've bet over forty eight and a half in Vegas. I've bet it online. Um if you want to make a dinner bet with me on the side, hit me up on Twitter. But yeah, I think this is a fifty win team and that is Contrary to the haters, like that is a big milestone for this team, and that would be the first step that says the Gobert trade was an overpay, but a successful overpay. So you mentioned their schedule to start the season. Oh boy, Ooh. I almost wish they played some harder games so that you wouldn't. I, there's almost pressure to like. Uh-huh. So here's the games: you play Oklahoma City and Utah at home, two rebuilding teams. There's some ta- Oklahoma City scares me a little bit more. I think Utah is just going to be the Malik Beasley show, which should be. Should be fun to watch. That'll be a fun show. Oklahoma City, again on the road, then uh, a, a home and home, but both at home, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, against San Antonio. So San Antonio, San Antonio. And then home against the Lakers, and then at San Antonio. So your first seven games are against non-playoff teams, likely, and the Lakers at home. You should. I hate to say you should go 7-0 because it's the NBA, but like... Is there a record that you would be, if they went five and two, would you be disappointed? No, but I, the point you're trying to make is something I was thinking too when the schedule There's pressure, came out, man. Is so in August when I saw the schedule, I was like, oh, everyone is so excited about this, but don't you want to play those teams more towards the back half when like Phil is starting at point guard or like you and I are getting minutes? But then as we've navigated into this, we still, as of Thursday, haven't seen Carl and Rudy play together. Now I've pivoted back to, like, I think I want them to start with easy games because we've seen the depth, like, the Wolves did against the Lakers. They can just put other guys out there and win those games. Like, if Carl doesn't play in the home opener, cool, play Nas Reed and he'll get 20 and 10. So I used to be concerned about that. I'm like, maybe it'd be nice to play, like, good teams so that if they do lose, it's not a big deal. But now I'm back on. They have no reps between those two guys in live minutes. So it might be nice to get those live reps in. Yeah, you can play something far less than perfect basketball and still win these games by. You can play Carl twenty points. minutes against the Thunder without Chet. Who knows what they do with SG? Like you, and then you can still go win the game. So five and two would be fine. I also think even with an easy schedule, they're so good they're going to beat good teams. That if it's four and three, like just again, let's just all take a deep breath and like on Christmas we'll all get together and then we'll freak out if they're five hundred. If they only start four and three. I may call for Chris Finch's head. I just want to. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there so this people aren't good. shocked. This okay? is going to get good. Okay, that's fair. The, then they also get he- so after that stretch of seven games, they play at Phoenix and then home against Milwaukee. Those are both nationally televised games on uh, TNT and ESPN. But then you come home against Houston, home against the Knicks, who whiffed on everything they were trying to do mm-hmm. seemingly uh, before they landed Brunson, I guess, but. And then you get Phoenix, Memphis, Cleveland, Orlando, Philadelphia, a bunch of road games. So the schedule picks up like halfway through November. So you have a month basically to get your get target right. centers yep. cohesive. I'm going to hate to be this guy, but I'm going to one-up you right now. Write it down. You like writing things down. I'm going to go for it. Write this down. You said 50 plus. I'm going to say 55 plus. Jeez. Okay, I got to think of something 55 to rhyme. Okay, though, that that's fair. I've had people say they're going to win 60. Um, That's aggressive. Uh, just again, that's a big number, but I'm um, 55. Explain your point. You like the depth or what? I love the depth, I think. Okay. And you've kind of laid this out better than anyone, but there's just going to be a bunch of weird games where you're, you're, you know, cat has a nagging wrist thing and he's out or you're going to have starters get hurt. Mm-hmm. And I just love the fact that 
Jalen Noel could come in and start for you and play 32 minutes and you would feel comfortable getting shots. Like mm-hmm. they just, it seems like they have a guy behind all of their guys to come in where you wouldn't feel uncomfortable switching up your starting lineup because of injury. So there's a lot of teams in the NBA where if the Mavericks, if Luka goes down, they're probably going to lose a couple of games they shouldn't or wouldn't otherwise. I don't know that that's the case with the Timberwolves as much as other teams. I also just think you start at 50 wins with Rudy Gobert. Mm-hmm. Like I keep going back to these Jazz teams and this is a, this is such an oversimplification but you know, if you look at I'm going to pull this up on BR here. If you look at those Jazz teams that I don't think had as much talent or depth as this Timberwolves team does. Correct. Rudy Gobert on defense and rebounding and blocking shots and altering what opposing teams trying to do. It was basically guaranteed 48 to 52 wins every year for five years, the last five years or so. So if that's the baseline for a Rudy Gobert team with some talent around him, what's the baseline for a Rudy Gobert team with more talent around him? It's probably more like 52, 53, 55 wins. That's a a drastic oversimplification here, but I just look at the Jazz. I'm like, that was a really good team. This is a more talented team, and they won 50 games almost every year. I'll give you an even dumber simplification. If this roster... I always think about this in March Madness. They do the blind resume. They put all these stats up and records, and they take the team's logos off it. And you got to figure out who would you think should make the bracket more. If you took this roster and this front office and this coaching staff and you put it in L.A., what would the Vegas win total be? It would probably yeah. be like 53 and a half. So there's still that Minnesota scar tissue we talked about, that Minnesota stink as the garbage truck just drives by. Um, like that, that is a real thing. So they're just so deep. They're so talented. And I think it's going to be, I mean, I think there's a greater than 0% chance that one team forfeits a game in March, that they see Victor Wembanyama again, like dunk between his legs from the three point line. And the Indiana Pacers are like, nope, all our players have monkeypox. Like we're just, we're going to take this game off. So I just think all of that factors in easy start, talented team, deep team, and then a free for all come February, March, that it's just going to be almost impossible for them to not win games. Um, I mean, dude, last night the Lakers missed like 13 threes in a row and subbed in a guy named Matt Ryan, who I thought was literally from the Colts, and <laughs> to be their shooter. The Wolves had DNPs of like Torian Prince. Yeah. Like these teams are playing guys that you've never heard of, and the Wolves are sitting guys who have like 40 games of playoff experience. So that's my other rant. But yeah, I'm yeah. with you. 55 is aggressive, but if they hit that, man. I don't think that's the highest win total, though, is it? Like, is, 50, wasn't it 58? Didn't I they have a yeah, okay. 03, 04? But they've never won 60, I don't think. No. They've only had the top seed one time. Man, I'll, go, I'll throw it back now. to you here, but is it... The top seed is not an, a totally out-of-reach thing if this, if this team peaks and gels the way that it could. Mm-hmm. If they play at, like, their 90th percentile as a team... And this gets me onto the one point Hollinger made, by the way. Jump the shark here. No, no, no. The The one Hollinger point point that I thought was actually really smart, and this is something you don't want to hear right now, but this team is going to be better in 2023 24. That's exciting. 70 wins. This this team, there is like chemistry and vibes and stuff like that matters. Again, I I used a reference of like when you're a quarterback and you acquire a new wide receiver, like it takes time to figure that stuff out. It's going to take time for Rudy and D'Lo to gel because throwing lobs is an art. Um, but I do think that this team is just 
like, I don't know what the like, DraftKings odds are or whatever, but if you can go see, like, them to finish in the regular season, to me, the Rudy Gobert experiment over four years, year one is all about regular season wins. And now we might fight about that down the road, but, like, I would much rather them win 55 games and then figure it out in the playoffs and how do we make it work and maybe we lose in seven and then tweak it next year with the mid-level exception, maybe mm-hmm. move this guy. To me, this season is all about winning as many regular season games as possible Teams will tank harder than ever before. So, yeah, I mean, if you can get good odds on them to regular season win the West, why is that out? Why is that outlandish? They look good against the Clippers, and they didn't have find, all their guys. I, I'm going to find – I'll find some odds for you during your okay. prediction. Write this down. So, all right, back to you for your, your second prediction. This is, again, a little spicier, but not too much, because if they win 50 games, if they see Phil's mark and they win 55 games, the Wolves will have two Western Conference All-Stars – in the all-star game last time that happened was 17 18 with towns and butler um again like every other stat in wolves lore it's only happened four times in 33 years um it was garnett and cassell garnett and cassell and i think garnett and gugliata um and they've never had three players make the all-star team and so that might even be a spicier take that would be like a rudy carl ant or rudy carl delo but um yeah they're gonna have two guys in the all-star game because they're gonna have a top four record come you know, late January, early February. I swear I'm not. I, I have these pre-written out here, so I I swear I'm not trying to one-up you, but I'm I'm just gonna go organically <laughs> no here with my next. Write this down. Write this down. Anthony Edwards will be a starter in the All Star game this year. A starter. He will be a starter in the All Star game. I don't know how that. How does that work now? The, the, you I have like your ten starters, and it's a draft, and then the bench players get filled out. Yeah, I yeah, and it's changed every year. And then once the whole country of Japan got Wiggins in, I kind of stopped following it. But um, yeah, I mean, what you're saying is that he would. I think it would have to be probably him and Luca, or him and like Steph, or maybe they allow one of those guys to, like him or Luca to play like the three or whatever. But that's not a hot take. You're basically having him jump, like what Jamal Murray. Um, yeah, I don't know how. I don't know if they do like, like three guards, two forwards, or yeah, or yeah, how yeah. it works. But I, what I'm banking on is him taking a step forward, and I think his profile nationally too. Like he was in a Netflix movie. Like he's kind of exploded just in terms of being a household name a lot more too. And I think that will continue. This is a long shot. I'm not saying it's likely. I think this would be classified as a home run level prediction in our uh, in our official books here. But I think he's just going to become much more of a household name and thus get a lot more votes. So I think he's going to be a starter in the All Star game. Wait. Write it down. Right, Write and I think, down. you know, we saw that with the Grizzlies last year. A lot of, they were top five in every category for awards. Coach of the year, executive of the year, most improved, all that stuff. You're and, good. Uh, it, I think it's louder for you than it is for all of us. And well, it's kind of hilarious. my trash takes coming through and the garbage man came through. But It's uh, hilarious that we're trying, to, we're trying to provide all this Wolves optimism here on this episode. The and the garbage, garbage the dumpsters are just circling. my apartment. <laughs> no, uh, I, I think that's a good one. I, again, the only pushback I have on that is that I don't know how I literally don't know as an NBA diehard how the all-star game is even functioning anymore. But, um, but to your point, these awards, all this stuff, it's a lot of stuff decided by writers <laughs> and, you know, media people, and they love a story. They love a narrative. So this, you know, third year growth from this kid from Minnesota, taking his team to a top four seed. There's, I don't see any reason that he couldn't make it. So maybe he's one of the two all-stars that I predict. Yeah, could be. Write it down. You like writing things down. All right, back to Kyle. Your third and final prediction here. So this is the spiciest one. It's about as hot take-ish as I can get. And just hear me out on it. But 
I love a good trade deadline. I love it in baseball. I love it in football, even though it's non-existent. And basketball is really good. But my third one is that the Wolves will be sellers prior to the deadline. And I know that sounds weird because sellers is always a term you use with a team that's like bad or not trying. I know that sounds weird. You don't want to give up a valuable player when you're trying to make this run or whatever. But I do just have this nagging feeling that they have so much talent and you're going to start to tighten your rotation to nine guys. And some guy is just not going to play. Like Nas Reed was awesome on ESPN. I'm not sure he's in the rotation all the time. So you have, you know, Jordan McLaughlin, contract, contract eligible next year, Jalen Noel, Nas Reed, and you have this front office that has 106 people in it. I do wonder if at some point they're like, we're winning a bunch of games. We have a bunch of players that we can trust. And we have ex- excess guys. Like maybe we can get two seconds in February for Nas Reed and kind of build back up that war chest that John Hollinger mm-hmm. and everyone else is so nervous about not having anything. So it's not a negative thing. It's just I wonder if Tim Connolly is thinking ahead and they do have a lot of guys. Go look at their salary cap. Like They have a lot of guys that are going to be off the books next year. You don't want all those guys to just disappear. Maybe you re-sign one, D'Lo or you know, Jalen. But I do wonder if they maybe make a move for a guy that we love, but they're like, let's think long-term. Let's go get a, a future first from a playoff team. Let's go give Nasri to the Celtics or something and get a guy and get a first-round pick back. So I know that sounds sad, but it's just I do wonder if they start to kind of look at the long-term. Like, how do we get a little more assets back again? So to, so to quantify this, just for official bookkeeping purposes, oh, if we okay. said the Timberwolves, before the trade deadline, the Timberwolves will trade a current player for a future asset. Yes, I would say that the, the, before the deadline in mid-February or whatever, the Minnesota Timberwolves will acquire at least one second-round pick. Okay, so we'll say, uh, I'll, I'll keep it as future asset, okay, meaning future like, asset. like draft draft picks or something. Okay. And then if the, if... If something weird happens, we can take it to write that down court and you know, <laughs> go to the write that, uh, write that write down, down jury. Like writing things down. All right, my third and final prediction centers around Jade McDaniels, your mm. guy. Mm. So last year, he had one game in which he scored over 20 points. It was home against Utah in a blowout win. This was the night he went 9 for 9 on uh, January 30th. Nine for nine, 22 points, four assists, couple rebounds. Not the most dynamic scorer, but he is now doing crossover dribble type things and uh, getting to the rim during these preseason games like he didn't last year. So my prediction is, write this down, Jade McDaniels will have at least one 30-point game or more in 2022-23. So Regular a, season and playoffs. I will include all of it just in case. So a bonus, write that down. Kyle will get arrested at least once for indecent exposure. <laughs> um, I think that's very possible. Uh, I think we've seen, again, Jaden's just not going to be a high usage guy. So to hit that, it's going to probably have to be in a game maybe where Ant's not playing or just, you know, they need to lean on him a little more against the Kings that night or in a, yeah. a shootout. But you are seeing it's not going to be ants like where it's massive leaps and bounds but again Jaden last night not only did Jaden take a couple threes go to the basket have a couple and ones for some reason the Lakers put Westbrook on him and I literally found myself feeling terrible for Russell Westbrook and his family Jaden was just attacking him like I w- if Jaden McDaniels would have done the rock the baby thing after scoring on Russell Westbrook I would have showed up to this podcast naked like he was <laughs> there was there was a viral moment where like he shoved Westbrook and then took the ball and threw it at him. 
and then Westbrook threw the ball back at him, and Jaden took the ball, and threw, it was a game of dodgeball. It was hilarious. But I think that's a really good one because I think you saw his last game against the Grizzlies. I think it was like a career-high points. There's no reason that guy can't score 30. It would take a hot shooting night from three, but Chris Finch is letting him dribble, and that's like the coolest thing in the world. It's like when you have a young puppy and you finally take it off the leash at the dog park. Finch has let Jaden run around the dog park now without a leash, and that could be really, really good. Uh, and it's just another asset that this team has and depth and all that stuff. So I like that. Anytime you talk about Jane McDaniels, it makes me happy. What if it? So I think I'm trying to do the math on what it would take here. Because so last year, the most field goal attempts he had in the game was he had 18 in a different Utah game. He was seven seven of 18, scored 16 points in that one. Otherwise, it's 14, 14, 14. So I think it would have to be a game like you said where someone's injured. Kyle Anderson starts at the four. For Carl, who's resting on a night, Jaden goes five for eight or five for nine from three. Um, gets so, like two and one, so that's up to like twenty. You know, on a couple baskets, like it's like twenty-one. A couple free throws late to close the game when they're trying to hunt thirty for him, and then like yeah, a couple backdoor dunks. But I don't okay. think it's out of the question. He's going to have to hit a bunch of threes to make that work, though. Here it is. All right, he's going to go. It's got to be like because he's not going to shoot twenty-seven times, so it's got to right, be like exactly. fewer than efficient. twenty shots. So it's going to be like 11. If he if he went, let's say, 11 for 17 from the field. Okay. And five of those were th- – so five of seven from three he goes. So that's 15. Yep. And then he goes uh, six of 10 from two. So that's another okay. 12. So that's 27 Yep. Couple right free there. Throws. Yep. And then a, a, maybe there's an and one and then a separate trip to the free throw line in which he just knocks them both down, and there's your 30 right there. Okay. Yeah, no, there like that. actually Jalen Noel would have to miss that game because Jalen Noel, man, he just has loved shooting the ball. <laughs> so if Jalen's <laughs> out there, there's not going to be enough shots. But no, there's no reason he can't do that. I'm, it sounds outlandish, but go look at his game against the Grizzlies. It was very efficient. I think he actually shot like 90% or something crazy, but – it just takes a hot shooting night from three because now, as I just said, like he's starting to do that thing where he's getting to the rim. He's putting the ball on the deck. Like he can get you those dunks and those kind of backdoor cuts, but he's got to hit his threes. His shot trajectory is higher according to nerds and stats. Um, so yeah, I, I like that. Anytime, like again, anytime we talk about Jaden on this pod, it's a, it's a win for everybody. Yeah. He was officially hit so 24 points in the, in that playoff game you're talking about. Uh, eight of nine from the field, yep, okay. and then five of six from three. So it would have to be something, something like that, but with a few more trips to the free throw line or a couple more twos, paint, whatever it is. So there it is. You should have said yeah. fifty. That would have been fun. Like he's gonna match his scoring total <laughs> from the Seattle Pro Am, and then just chug a glass of Wolves Kool Aid and jump out my window here. That's what... <laughs> Those were well, good. No, I think we're on the fifty same minutes of Wolves Kool Aid drinking here. I don't know what know, more gonna, you guys want from us at this point. My God, if they start 0-4 and the, the target centers look like a disaster, uh, I guess we'll just re-rack all of these terrible takes from this this preview we'll episode. Just, yeah, we'll have Marlboro Reds will start sponsoring the podcast because I'll be smoking <laughs> cigarettes. I'll be so stressed out. Amazing. Uh, and then I, so we're going to – we're talking about like our schedules are a little bit wacky next week. I'm, yeah. We're both kind of traveling for different reasons. And so we're probably going to fire up – that we're going to expand this show to two days a week. It will likely be – in like a week and a half, so okay. maybe the week cool. of the, the week of the second week of the season, and so as part of that, at least one day a week, it'd be great to have sort of a feedback section of this show where we just yes. take people's comments from the YouTube yep. channel or Twitter, or you can always hit us up through the Score North app. There's a feedback application in there, and then we can just kind of devote a chunk of the week to answering people's questions about mm-hmm. basketball, life, 
whatever you guys really want. We can yeah, be your therapist I, if you want. We're here for you. The as you've said before, like the response to this podcast, which was just something fun you and I wanted to do, has been fantastic. I always think that this is the best fan base in the world because of the Eminem reference. Like they've been through the mud, um, and they deserve all the good stuff now. So yeah, I I created like flagrant howls on Twitter. So send questions nice. to that. Um, Phil and I will be like we'll respond. We'll we'll kind of start to bring these questions together and discuss them. Um, because like you said, this is a lifestyle podcast and. We want to have the lifestyle, not just you and I, who are having a lot of fun, but let's bring other people in and other opinions, and it'll be a good time. Amen. All right. That's a wrap on this week's episode of Flagrant Howls. We are on the record, 50-plus, 55-plus wins, some all-stars, and some other general Timberwolves Kool-Aid chugging here. Kyle, Phil, we'll see you guys next time. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. It's crazy to think that a few weeks ago we were talking about whether or not Tua Tagovailoa should consider retiring after two concussions and worldwide debates on player safety and NFL culpability. Tua has done nothing but go back to work and currently has the Dolphins riding a three-game win streak and one loss behind the division favorite Buffalo Bills. While everyone was yapping about the end of his career, Tua Tagovailoa said he'll decide when it's time. And clearly, he's not ready to hang up the cleats. Hi, this is Chris Howard from the Plugged In with Chris Howard podcast. BetOnline.net is your number one source for betting football and the start of the new basketball season. Find all the latest player developments, team matchups, news podcasts, and in-depth analysis on every game. BetOnline remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting up-to-the-minute scores for every the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including the MLB playoffs, the start of the NHL season, MMA, boxing, and golf. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts.